Hi, everybody. I'm Seth Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. Today's guest is Simone Tully, the founder of Organic Meats Group. Long before organic became fashionable, Simone was touting the benefits of organic farming from her cattle station in far west Queensland. And over the course of the last 30 years, she's created a global organic beef export business that has brought Aussie beef to the world stage. She's here today to talk about her journey and the opportunities for women in agriculture. Hey, Simone, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, you're welcome. Looking forward to the chat. Now, I would like to go back to the beginning with your journey because I'm sure our listeners probably aren't all that au fait with um, Australian organic meats, apart from probably eating yummy meat products from the supermarket, which you, you, you guys have supplied. But where did this all begin for you? You came from your family is, was in that industry to begin with? Yes. Uh, Isn't it funny? Uh, Agriculture, you do wonder if it runs in the genes. Uh, Obviously, I I grew up on uh, cattle and wheat properties down in uh, the Mallee region, actually, on the banks of the Murray River. And then I moved up to Roma in the mid-70s when I was a child. So uh, I spent my youth really uh, driving cattle between properties and obviously just living a bush life. And then I went off to university and had the travel bug, I travelled the world, including Israel and um, different places, but I ended up in Colorado, which is one of the starting points for the organic food movement in the US. So when I came home, I met my husband, good country fellow, and lo and behold, um, his family decided to buy a sheep and cattle station in far southwest Queensland, where the Tullys are from. You know, they, they really opened up that country from settlement, actually. So the Tullys and uh, the Duracs, my husband's great-great-great-grandmother is Sarah Durack, who's quite famous from Kings and Grass Castle's history. Um, so we ended up out on a, uh, a reasonably large sheep and cattle station and I really needed to find something to do. So we started to, the, there was a group out there, of course, and we started to look at uh, developing a market for certified organic products that fitted in very much with my ethos and what I'd been learning in my travels. So it, it was a fun journey and it's taken us all the way from, we started that project in the late 90s and then Australian Organic Meats uh, really formalised its business in 2011. Uh, my business partner, the O'Leary family, are based at Dubbo and they actually purchased my husband and my first organic cattle back in the late 90s. So we've had a long working relationship but the business really got going in 2011. And so prior to that you said you started that organic beef journey how was that getting that organic meat message out to the community? It's it's been a, a long progressive discussion in the early days in Australia certainly our industry is very traditional and I don't think there was a lot of room for um, new entrants to talk about organic, I think people are a little bit fearful in the industry in general, thinking that it might make their sector look less perfect. Uh, but in, in fact, the organic sector plays a role across the spectrum. I mean, everybody's doing an amazing job in the food industry, particularly in Australia. I think we do lead the world in a lot of areas, certainly in terms of animal welfare less chemical usage. It's just that organic is really right out there in front, pushing the boundaries and leading the way. 
And we see that because now we've got a really burgeoning regenerative agriculture sector and lots and lots of other things. So it is a struggle sometimes being out in front and doing something different, but there are great mentors and people in the industry that are really encouraging and happy to try something new. And, you know, there ended up being room for us, but it did take a lot of persistence. And we had a lot of challenges, isolation, communication challenges, it hasn't been easy. It's it's much better now. And how many cattle producers would you represent at the moment? So in our, in our group, we actually launched um, a brand called 55 Farmers because that's how we expanded to a group of 55. We're probably dealing with a few more than that now, probably around 70. There's several hundred organic beef producers now, certified organic across Australia. So we're really seeing a growth expansion and the market is showing that there's multiple brands. We've created an entire category and uh, demand continues to grow around the world. In organic beef, uh, sales have increased over the last couple of years just by 25%, which is substantial, but it is coming off a small base. I think the market in the US is worth the organic meat market, which includes obviously other proteins as well as my area, which is beef and lamb. It's about 1.7 billion, wow. but uh, it's it's still a small percentage. It's only two or three percent of the entire industry. But in terms of horticulture and dairy, um, organics in that market has reached 15 to 22 percent. Wow, that's incredible when you consider how relatively new it is as an industry. Yes, yes. I think we, we don't have a lot of the industry self-funded, so we haven't had a huge investment in our in our leadership. Our legislative frameworks are a little bit immature, although we're, we're working on it. It's starting to get the attention it needs because it is a high-value market. It does require third-party certification platforms. There's a few things going on behind the scenes that are, are pretty critical to support the growth. It has been growing rapidly, so you can imagine a little bit piecemeal. There's lots of new entrants and lots of different things going on. Uh, but it's important from our, our point of view to have those structures in place so that you can focus on expanding the markets and, of course, delivering great product 52 weeks of the year and gaining that shelf space. And when you talk about expanding the market, obviously Australian beef is massive overseas in the US and Asia. What have been the challenges in regards to that in kind of claiming your stake in, in those international markets? It's a competitive landscape, So, but it's, it's all changing. We've certainly got a fabulous reputation. The Australian industry it is highly regarded. We're great to do business with. We do what we say we're going to do. We're reliable. Our supply chains, even under this turbulent last couple of years, have proven resilient and reliable. So that's been fantastic and we've been relatively nimble as well in supporting customers around the world we have got competition so there's lots of uh, organic beef in my sector which is beef of course there's lots of um, production across Europe the UK South America the US it's uh, as um, there's more and more peer-to-peer research available on good quality agronomy the expansion and uh, early adoption by farmers transitioning to organic has been increasing. So that supply is increasing around the world. So we do have to stay on our on our game. And what about um, the international transaction side of things? Uh, how, did you have to go through um, supply finance chains? Was that 
the way that you were able to set things up? Well, we've been really lucky. So, um, you know, as farmers, we're, we're fairly conservative and, you know, we've got our existing relationships with our Australian banks, such as uh, Westpac, the bank we're working with, and they have come up with innovative products for us, which is, which is great. You know, we have, we're, we're conservative farmers, so we've got, um, you know, good uh, credit checks on all our, our customers. We're actually dealing with, you know, very reputable retail organisations, supermarkets, restaurant groups and, um, you know, privately owned high net wealth supermarket businesses around the world generally. So we're not really in the trading environment per se. Uh, so it, it, in the commodity markets around the world, quite often product is traded multiple times before it reaches the customer. Yeah. The nice thing about the organic sector is it does lend itself to that source verification and consumers really wanting to have that as as close a link to the supply as possible. So that's worked in our favour. And we have used um, innovative products from uh, Westpac, actually, which is, is based on supply chain finance, which is really related to our customer, our flows of trade. It's underwritten by good credit checks on all of our customers. And, of course, we've got some other additional parts of that, including our currency hedging um, programs, etc. So uh, it's been nimble. It's been really supportive of, of the business. So it's probably less traditional finance than what farmers would normally be involved in. But it's going to be a growing trend as agriculture moves further down the supply chain. And there's a lot of innovation. I see just not in my sector, which is organic beef and lamb, but you know, across the grains industry, further value-adding products, horticulture, the ingredient sector, it's um, its really exciting. And can I ask how has COVID impacted the business? Well, we've all had plenty of sleepless nights. its It's really been an uncertain time. I've had uh, phone calls from customers in the early days. We didn't know what was going to happen, of course. So the important thing was to keep food moving and Australia did incredibly well. It has been a Team Australia moment. I'm, I'm very proud of our food industry actually in general we tend to just knuckle down and get the job done protect our customers support them give them confidence make sure that you know and Australia's built up great relationships in terms of our trade flows shipping relationships all of those things so I I feel that Australia placed itself really well at the time to respond well and we found that uh, we were lucky enough to be able to maintain all the flow of our product. We had to switch from a lot of high-quality goods go by air, so we had to switch that to sea freights. We've got a lot of uh, great ag tech in this country, so we all became quite early adopters of really innovative ag tech that could monitor temperature control, have platforms that alerted you to any changes in temperature, We've got great data on shelf life, so we had to begin convincing customers not to uh, – uh, customers can get a bit complacent going, oh, look, you know, product can just fly over any old time, we're happy to pay, and we've got heaps of shelf life and we don't have to worry about it. But actually our product has such great shelf life in this country, we can go to sea freights and there's still plenty of shelf life, but it takes a level of education of the consumer and the customers and – that's probably what we had to do. We were able to do it really successfully. So we we personally didn't lose any customers. We actually saw sales increase as consumers moved 
to panic buying and all, all yeah. the, those other things that happened. And actually the organic industry in general has seen double-digit um, consumer purchasing growth because they're very, fo- you know, fo- focused on the health and well-being. They're not spending as much entertaining. They're really thinking about what food they're bringing into their kitchens. So, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun but um, a lot of supply chain challenges. Um, can I ask as well in terms of that health and wellbeing thing and the switch to organic, what else do you think might be driving that trend for Australians? Oh, well, look, there's no doubt there's a big discussion around our carbon and our environmental stewardship and that's one of the reasons I really moved into the organic sector. It does have a great brand around the ethos of organic and the organic standards actually have a really great environmental stewardship component that farmers sign up to. So it's always been out in the leading, the pointy end, I suppose, of that transition to communicating. I mean, Australians in general do do a great job and unfortunately farmers tend to be a little bit misrepresented, but actually Australia does do a great job and it's it's hard to communicate that to consumers. But I think the organic sector through its certification process has done a great job. I'm sure there'll be more products to follow and more ways of demonstrating that to consumers. But this is important and it's important around the world and we're starting to understand more and more how we can communicate what we do better and we we can tell it resonates with consumers. They really want to make good choices or the best choices they possibly can in getting products at the right price, making sure there's a recycling component, making sure that the supermarkets or platforms they're purchasing from are good stewards Uh, so I think it's just going to flow right through the supply chains all the way back to the farm and you know farmers in general in Australia doing a great job we just need to communicate better and adopt more certification processes possibly so that everybody can build confidence around what we're doing. Yeah, you did mention um, the carbon factor and I think there is a lot of finger pointing at, at farmers what do you think can be done to kind of change that messaging? Yeah, I think uh, I'm very nervous about the carbon credit market myself on behalf of our farming group. There's lots of products going around. There's lots of certifications. A lot of people might not be aware that if farmers do sign up to some of these carbon sequestration projects, they're already all my organic farmers are already doing lots of great things because they've been aware of, of these things. So in general, my farmers are running less livestock, they're resting their country, the farms look fantastic when you see how they perform on a benchmarking basis. So that's all very positive. But some of the projects here and possibly around the world, it's be careful what you wish for, be careful what you encourage farmers to sign up to because some of these projects are 7 to 25 years and they affect people's land titles in their future. And it possibly might affect how bankers view their farm and, and limits their choices, possibly new technology or whatever else might be coming available. So, and, and the pricing mechanisms as well, because some of the platforms look, uh, you pay for the people to supervise the carbon credit business, and that can be 20 to 80% of the margin generated. So, that's not even coming back to the farmer to reinvest and improving the food production system. So I wouldn't like to see people, I mean, would it happen that people get paid so much money to stop production? For me, livestock plays a really important role in regenerative farming. 
there's a great movie called uh, 2040, What's Your 2040? And it's fabulous and it's really a simplistic way. Um, Damien, the uh, producer, really tried to explain it to his very young daughter what was happening around the world and don't panic too much. So there's some complex elements around good stewardship. But, um, you know, I think food production is a very noble cause and looking after the environment is as well. And I do think that they can be both very successful. Yeah, and they go hand in hand, obviously. (laughs) They do, they do. Can I touch a bit on ag tech as well? Uh, How uh, vital has that been to the success of organic farming? Because, you know, we live in one of the driest countries in the world. Has has ag tech played a big role in facilitating change? Well, I think it's starting to, just the uh, methods of communication and all of our farmers do lots of different things. You often think of farmers being, um, look, if they're making they're, they're successful, are they really performing to the top of their abilities? Are they managing their landscape well? The interesting thing is farmers don't necessarily have to push their land to the limits in the organic sector because they're being rewarded properly. So they're planning well for succession and long term and they're carefully looking at what what tech is going to be useful to them in managing what they're doing and improving what they're doing. So it's not always just about improving the the production off the property. It's really about keeping it in balance and it's recording what you're already doing. So quite a lot of farmers don't look at what they're actually already doing, getting their benchmarks in place. But, uh, you know, they're all at different levels as well. So it's about encouraging them, learning from other people in their regions and obviously from the science sector. And hopefully we can continue to improve on extension through the industry because it is a barrier getting farmers to adopt, although there's a huge transfer to a younger generation. So you'd like to think they've grown up with tech, so they're just so used to it. So we are going to see a, a really a lot of adoption, I think, of useful platforms. On our supply chain, I mean, we're looking at temperature data that's live that just comes back. You get alerts to your phones if there's a container that has the door open for 15 minutes longer than it should somewhere in the world. Yeah, it's you incredible, know, it's just isn't sort of it? Extraordinary. It, it's, it's a lot of fun, actually, um, and it does. Um, it's great value. It gives you a lot more confidence in what you're doing and incentivizes you to keep doing better. So when you bring it back to the farm level, there's actually lots of great data for the beef industry around what we're doing with our electronic ear tag platforms, which is owned by our industry. So there's a lot of great value yet in the beef industry that we can capitalise on that we're not doing. We're just using a very simple traceability platforms at the moment, but there's lots of really useful data that we can start to use that platform for. So we built the framework some years ago and we didn't know what to put in it. And now the industry is starting to populate it with really great, fun, interactive data collection that's going to be incredibly useful for farmers. Can I ask, is that perhaps the biggest change that you've seen in the industry over your time? Well, that's a fun side of the industry. The biggest change I've seen is the roller coaster of going through dry seasons, currency fluctuation and coming through that and supporting people emotionally, mm. maintaining our customers through all these trials and tribulations. So it is a roller coaster. I wouldn't I wouldn't say being in this industry is for the faint hearted. So you do have to build a lot of resilience and um, have a great team around you. I think we're, we're entering a really exciting era for the food industry. So the pricing in ag at the moment, we're going through a bit of a, a wonderful opportunity 
just now with uh, the returns flowing into agriculture this year, but we obviously need a number of years for that to happen. So, you know, we'll see what the future brings, but every year is different. Also, can I ask, as one of the first women in the industry, was that a challenge as well? Oh, yes. So women in ag, look, I I just always feel the doors open, whether it's men or women, because we're used to working in the cattle yards or the sheep yards, it's very humbling being out in the bush. It's all hands on deck. So it's a very even place. But actually, once again, you know, it's hard to believe that uh, women weren't really even incorporated or just they hadn't realised we weren't on farm insurance policies until around 1991. So before that, women were just the extra person, uh, which is um, now I, I think about it, it's quite amusing. So now, of course, um, we're all um, regarded equally, which is fantastic. Women and men are running properties equally out in out in agriculture. The industry, food industry, meat industry, look, it is dominated by men, but there's more and more women coming through. So you're seeing female butchers, certainly in trade, uh, the commodity trading business. There's quite a few women now. It just doesn't seem as if you would imagine that, but but now uh, women are right throughout the business and uh, it's it's really exciting. Can I ask, since you've mentioned exciting, what, what is it that excites you about being in the organic meat sector? Well, I think the food industry, it's a noble cause. Being in the bush, uh, it, it leads to my personality to want to work with teams. So I'm definitely somebody that really thrives in being in a team environment. Uh, I've loved building um, a business from the farm. I think Hopefully it sets a really good example for other people of what's possible. So I love the challenge of it. I love the fact that it's in the food industry. I'm quite passionate about how well Australia does things. I love the organic industry. It it really does change the world one farm at a time. And so I suppose we do want to lead by example and be stewards and examples for people around the world to do um, a great job. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that happy with what corporate global food companies have done in some regards but you know it's a learning curve and everybody changes I mean I'm not a fan of GM uh, you know the particular GM we always hear of and possibly what it's going to do to third world countries in terms of contamination and taking advantage of those communities so you know we we can just focus on what we can do but I suppose I like the idea that we're sort of changing the world or changing the way people are thinking a little bit. Mm just takes one person to make a change <laughs> and you're one of those people. It does. It does. And, uh, you know, you, you do. You find your tribe and we've got to convince people, you know, food executives or uh, supermarket buyers, look, they're just worried about the next day and getting food on the shelf. We've got to make their job easy but also convince them these are the right products. So there's all these balancing acts going on all the time and I understand the pressures they have. So, you know, we've just got to work work on it one one step at a time. Thank you so much, Simone. I think that's just about all I've got time for. Um, I really appreciated you coming on the show today and chatting with me about the organic meat movement. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Sess. No, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>